Well, good morning to you all. We have been looking at Jesus's Sermon on the Plain in Luke's Gospel over these last few weeks. Two weeks ago, we looked specifically at Jesus's challenge to all disciples throughout the generations. That includes us on our need to be aware of the words that we speak. We looked at how our words, whether kind, loving, peaceful, reassuring, or on the other hand, angry, bitter, spiteful, and miserable, not only has an impact on those around us in our immediate world, but also on ourselves. We focused in on Jesus's powerful truth that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we learned that the heart that Jesus is referring to is the inner self, the mind, the will, the emotion, not the muscle that pumps the blood around our body. And that the words we speak are a good indication of the condition of our hearts, of our inner self. We then, for those who remember, challenged ourselves with two challenges. The first was to prayerfully, with God's help, stand in front of the mirror and just do an MOT check on ourselves. To ask that question, how am I speaking to people? What things am I saying? And with God's help, try to work on those things. But the second challenge that we had was throughout our week, before we speak to someone or before we reply to someone, we to ask three simple questions. Is what I'm about to say true? Is what I'm about to say kind? And if, uh, and it, am I, what, what I'm about to say, is it necessary? So is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? And if we can't answer yes to all three of those things, then we don't say it at all. I do hope that that has been an eye-opener for you to some of the things that we just say without thinking. But today we're going to continue to look and actually come to the final part of Jesus's Sermon on the Plain. So if your Bible's with you, turn with me to Luke 6, starting verse 46. So Luke 6, 46, which says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Powerful, powerful. Let's just pray before we carry on. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word is truth to us. Your word is life to us. Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege of being open, being able to open your word, 
to listen, to learn and apply what you teach us to apply into our lives. Be with us, guide us, strengthen us and always be our light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I would... Um, what's striking, actually, at the beginning of this passage is the words that Jesus opens with. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? Isn't that an interesting statement? The question is, what assumption should we make by what Jesus is saying here? Well, I would suggest that through, uh, though Jesus is teaching them the truths of the kingdom of God and challenging them to apply these truths, at least some of them, at least some of them who are listening are not practicing these truths in their lives. What Jesus is addressing here is that some of his disciples are confessing that Jesus is Lord with their mouths, but not being obedient to his commands. Isn't there an interesting similarity to what we still see in many Christians' lives today, maybe even in our own? These, uh, this ease in which we cry out, Lord, Lord, but the often lack of obedience to the commands that we find in God's word. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about welcome uh, because we're all perfect. No, we're not. We're not. Every one of us struggles with this, myself included. And the words Jesus uses here in this opening passage are also interesting. There is the, the tone, there's an element of rebuke in there, disappointment, maybe. And you can understand why. Well, I hope we can understand why. Jesus isn't walking with this group of people, teaching them, challenging them, giving them commandments because he likes the sound of his own voice. He is discipling them, challenging the way that they live, how they speak and how they act. He is encouraging them to listen, to learn to apply his teaching into their lives for one main reason, in order that they become Christ-like, like him. And Jesus is expecting the same of you and of me today. Jesus is our standard and our journey as a Christian is to emulate him with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's why the Apostle John says, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And as uh, Peter said, he said, to this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And why Paul says similar, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Our foundation, our source, our stability, our focus must be solely and completely fixed and focused on Jesus. 
anything less and our foundations become unstable. And it is here that I just, I must touch on something that may have been going through our minds whilst we've looked through Jesus's sermon. There is a lot of talk about us doing something. I must do this. I must not do that. Doesn't this, doesn't this potentially become quite legalistical and self-centered? Yes, it can. And yes, it does. But we must be careful that we don't get confused here. When it comes to our salvation, the act of us being saved, there is no work, there is no act, there is no action or task we can do to earn that. That is totally and categorically by the grace and will of God alone. Praise God. Within the church, we call this justification. I tried to think of a word that could simplify this, but the truth is, this is a word that as Christians we need to know. It's justification, which is, and I quote, an act of God by which those who are unrighteous in themselves are declared righteous before God, but still in a sinning state. Justification is a deliverance from the penalty of sin and accomplished by Christ on the cross. Praise God. Anyone, church, who tells you that salvation is earned by us working for it is wrong. They're wrong. It's by God's grace and will alone. And aren't we grateful for that? But once declared as being right with God through our faith in Jesus and his sacrificial act on the cross, we, be we begin a life of what's called sanctification. Another big word that we need to know. Sanctification is the journey that every believer goes on to become like Christ, which will only be perfected once we get to heaven. Every true Christian is on this journey and we are all at different stages. This is why discipleship is so important. Discipleship is the act of helping another believer grow and mature in their faith and supporting them on the journey to become Christ-like. Sanctification is primarily God's working in the life of the believer via the Holy Spirit to develop Christ likeness in them. But we have our part to play. It's not all down to God. God expects us to cooperate with his divine will and heed the commands and teachings of Jesus and God's word because our adherence to Jesus and his words is part of God's overall plan of sanctifying us. God supernaturally guides us on the journey through, through the Holy Spirit, but we do our part by cooperating with God and applying his teachings into our lives, the teachings found in his word. We see this being taught by Jesus 
in our passage today. In the opening verse, Jesus says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Notice Jesus isn't saying, listen to my teachings, sit back, let the Holy Spirit do all the work as you just get on with the life that you've always lived. No, he calls us to put into practice his teachings and his commands and to help us see the effect when we do put them into practice and the effect when we don't. He shares, Jesus shares this simple parable. He says this, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words, as every one of us here listening today, and puts them into practice. So we're not just listening, but we're putting into practice. I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood come, the torrent struck that house that could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practices like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Quite simply, if you don't build your daily life upon Jesus and his teachings and commands, your Christian life will become unstable. When tough times strike, it will overcome you. When temptations present themselves, you will fall foul to those temptations. When the world around you tries to pull you away from your dedication, your discipled life in Jesus, it will succeed. But a life dedicated to Jesus and the application of his teaching is a life built on firm foundation, resulting in a spiritually strong inner strength in which to get through all that comes our way throughout our lives. This parable of the wise builder is often attributed to teaching about faith. And that's true. That absolutely is true. But there's more to it than that. At its core, Jesus is teaching of the importance of obedience, being obedient to his commands and those of his apostles. So why is this important in our exploration on what we are feeding on, what we are allowing into our hearts and the subsequent result of what comes out of our mouths and the actions that we partake in. Well, what we read, what we watch, the conversations we engage in will all affect our attitude and will help to mould who we are as a person. I think we'd all agree with that. But to give you a couple of examples, these might be extreme, but many struggle. If you have a bitter, an angry streak about you and you only 
hang around with people who like to pick holes in others and to complain about the world around them, what effect is that going to have on you? You will continue to stoke that fire that's inside you. And the fruit you produce through your words and through your actions will continue to be angry and bitter. You're not helping yourself at all, are you? The writer of Hebrew says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. To continue faithfully on our journey of sanctification, the Holy Spirit reveals this anger and bitter side of ourselves and as he deals with the heart, we do our part with his help by actively avoiding situation where this aspect of our character will be encouraged. This is our cooperating with God as he leads us on this journey to become Christ-like. Okay, what about, what about another example? What about if you have a high libido and you spend your time looking at crude posts on social media, engaging in filthy talk maybe at work, or even flirting with the opposite sex, particularly if you're married at work. What effect is this going to have on you? Well, again, you will continue to feed that temptation and the fruit in which you produce through your words and your actions will continue to be filthy and crude. And the truth is, the consequence of that can be or lead to sexual immorality. Can you see you're not helping yourself? Paul says this, follow God's example. It's interesting he opens this verse I'm about to read with them three words, follow God's example. That is a command to us to do something. He says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children um, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Again, to continue faithfully on our journey of sanctification, the Holy Spirit would have he would have all by now, and there may be those out you that are with any of these getting just a little bit of a, you know, a prick in the heart. The Holy Spirit would have revealed to us our need to change and deal with these sides of ourselves with his help. And as he deals with our heart, we, our part is to actively avoid situations where this aspect of our character 
will be fueled and encouraged. Again, we cooperate with God's reshaping of us as he leads us on a journey to become Christ-like. These are just two examples, and yeah, they may be extreme, but there are many aspects of our lives that we need to go through the same process on, aspects of our lives we need to work on with help from God through his Holy Spirit in order that we become moulded into the image of Christ. Serious such as uh, uh, envy, uh, jealousy, uh, coveting, wanting what others have got, slander, etc. I mean, there's a list that we could we could go on. These are all things that God wants to deal with in ourselves, in our hearts. But there are aspects that we need to do as well, practical things that we need to do, i.e. to avoid situations that fuel them. But God will help us to overcome these things. But we have to do, <coughs> excuse me, we have to do our part. We have to avoid situations that fuel these areas of ourselves. Avoid watching films or reading books that may stoke the fire or stop looking at those social media posts that, well, just aren't helping our journey of faith. To help ourselves, we must every day engage in reading God's word, learn the commandments of Jesus and his disciple, uh, sorry, um, and as his disciples, we have to work to apply these things into our life every day. We do this by living a life of constant prayer and asking for God's help by surrounding ourselves with Christ-centered people who we can open up to, to share our struggles and to become accountable to and actively avoid situations that fuel these areas of our life that are holding us back in becoming all God needs us to be. Church, God's heart is that we come into right relationship with him, praise God, and grow in the likeness of the Son of Man in order to be a light to this world that we live in and to continue to complete the work or continue to do the work that Jesus started. That has been what the whole of the Sermon on the Plain has been aimed at. Jesus teaching his disciples and subsequently us and challenging us to look at ourselves and ask, how am I shaping up? at this point in time with what Jesus requires of me and how can I cooperate with the Holy Spirit and do my part in God's plan for my life and my mission on this earth. Church, to be a follower, a disciple of Christ is the essence of the Christian life and every one of us should want to be like him. We can never share in Jesus's deity, but we can share in his holiness. One day we will be perfected in holiness. But until then, until then, 
we should do our best to follow his example of obedience. Amen.